knowledge of you this morning. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Lead us, guide us, teach us. We thank you for grace being imparted to every heart and every life. A divine influence as the word enters the heart. That divine influence beginning to reflect out in the life. We thank you, Father, for a greater knowledge of your loving kindness and the love that you've shown towards us. That in that revelation would come to us and we would have a great expectation of the day we live in and the call that's been placed upon our life. We thank you, Lord, for this day that you've made for us. This time, this dispensation, our generation, that time that you've created for us, that we might walk in it, God, that your church might arise and shine with the glory of the living God living on the inside of us, that we might understand in a greater measure the mystery that was hidden from the ages, that is Christ in us, the hope of glory, that we truly might shine with that light of life everywhere that we go. And so we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. And we give you thanksgiving, Father, for all that you've done for us. We pray even right now, Father, for those who are struggling, those who have been attacked, those who have symptoms, those who have uh, a sickness or disease uh, attacking their body. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, right now. Father, we just thank you for you working on the inside of each and every one, that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that dwells in them, is working in their mortal bodies, infusing them with life, destroying every cell that would work death or destruction. We thank you, Father, that you're working in hearts to make the heart right, healed, strong, whole, the blood, that the blood would be correct, that any disease in the blood, that disease would be washed out, cleansed. We thank you for all manner of sickness, disease, lumps, bumps, tumors, growths, to dissolve, to wither, to, to be uh, dispelled from the body. I thank you, Father, that joints, Father, I thank you that anointing, the, the lubrication in the joints, supernatural, we be, begin to work and bring freedom of movement. I thank you moving through vertebrae and through the spine, bringing a correction and a healing and a cure. I thank you, Father. I thank you for that. Even in that, that sciatic nerve, Father, where that, that pain and that numbness just drops all the way down through the leg, we command that to be restored and healed. Father, whatever is working right there to release and to heal, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for clarity of thinking. I thank you you've not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, we thank you. We thank you for the word. We thank you for doors of utterance being opened right now, that we might speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear exactly what you're saying to each and every heart, each and every life, that we might see the application of that, and in that we'd leave not like we came, but different, something imparted to us, revelation brought to our hearts, that we might begin to live it out, walk it out, every single day. And so we'll give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and the thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished by your word and by your spirit in every heart and in every life. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. Look at somebody next to you. Say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated 
Glory to God. Man, what a great day that we live in. What a great time that we live in. There's a great anticipation and should be a great anticipation of what God is doing. If you're just watching uh, the world around you, you might uh, be tempted to be discouraged. But as you begin to pray, as you begin to see things in the midst of that, what God is doing, it'll stir you. It'll cause you to get excited. It'll bring an expectation into your heart. And so that's why we as the church, we're, we're not looking really just at everything that's seen, but we're able to look into the unseen. And by faith, we begin to live concerning that which is not seen to the natural eye, but it is seen with the spiritual eyes of faith, that we truly might walk out the things that God's planned for us, even in the midst of the world that we live in. And when we read the Bible, it doesn't say that everything around us will be perfect. It says that we bring a light of life into the midst of darkness. And so we get to anticipate what God is doing in us individually in the church to be a light to our generation. And that light to the generation is really just a revelation of who Jesus is, what he's done, so that somebody who's in darkness, they have no hope, a hope begins to arise. That if Jesus did it for us, he transformed our life, our life looks different than it used to, then people can begin to grasp that and say, there's a hope for me to live, not just bogged down by life, not looking at the destruction around me, and my only hope is that I'm going to enter into that. But I have a hope of something greater, and that hope is stirred by those who are reflecting that very light of life to people around them. So we live in a great generation. We live with great opportunity. We may possibly live in the greatest generation known to man. Praise the Lord. We may live in that generation that sees the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. All the signs of the time point to that great day of the second coming of Jesus Christ for his church. And if that's the truth, then he's coming for a bride, a glorious church, not a beat down church, not a scared church, not a, a, a living like the world church, but a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Amen. And so sometimes we just think, well, how's that going to happen? Well, you know, we just can't totally grasp that all the time with our carnal mind. We, we get glimpses of it as God reveals that to us, but even just the knowledge of that, we know that we're going to need some help. We're going to need some help perceiving it as we perceive it, as it becomes more real to what we see, what we anticipate, what we hope for, and look at our own ability, it can seem overwhelming. But thank God, he's not calling us to do it in our own ability, but he has really given to us the help that we need. In fact, he's put the helper on the inside of us. And so we're, you know, we've entered a series of messages that I've entitled, God, help me. Because as we look around us and we see what's happening and, and the things that are taking place and the tragedies and the, 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 the discouraging things might be taking place, you know, we might look at it and say, what in the world's going on? How am I going to be a part in my world? What am I going to do? Oh God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God says, you know what? Just, I have a plan. And you can't take the burden of that on yourself, but you need to come to me. When everything seems to be weighing you down and the enemy seems to be packing on and it seems like you're just dragging that around, he said, don't go away from me. This is not a good time to be going away from God. He said, you come unto me. You come unto me and I'll give you rest. 
My burden is light and my yoke is easy. And it may look like, listen, this is more difficult than anything that I can, but when you're yoked to him, there's things that otherwise would bring you down that he will hook you to himself and he'll bring you up instead of allowing the enemy to take you down. Amen. And so we see a lot of that. We can see a lot of discouragement around us. We can see a lot of difficulty around us. All the information that comes around us can be discouraging. But God says, when it seems like that, you come unto me and I'm going to give you rest and I'm going to show you my word and my spirit is going to reveal things to you about this day that will encourage you and give you hope concerning what I've done for you, not what the world around you is doing. Amen. And so I believe it's a vital day. I believe that we're living in a day that, that uh, the enemy and, and, and circumstances are trying to bring a discouragement and a weightiness upon people that they know they just feel like they can't carry it and a hopelessness and a helplessness. That would be the strategy of the enemy. But God said, don't get hopeless and don't get helpless. I have given you the helper to not just be with you, but to live on the inside of you. And so where we look for our help and how we look to that help is so vitally important. Let's go to our foundational text, Psalms 121. I just want to remind you again, just it's, it's next Wednesday, I believe. Uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis is going to be with us. So it's an off night. So we're reminding you uh, just, you know, because you can go and go, well, it's not normal. Oh, man, I forgot about that. But mark that down. Mark that on your calendar. Bring a friend. It's going to be a great time. And then Brother Joe Morris is going to be with us on the 21st. And that's going to be a great time. And then all the men, mark your calendar. Go on to the app. Sign up uh, for the Santal Men's Conference, July 14th, 15th. And then all the rest of us. Uh, Addison's going to be with us on the 16th. We're going to have a great weekend there in July. Uh, so mark your calendars for that. And we're going to have just a tremendous uh, time uh, throughout this year. I believe it's, a, a, as you know, we've said from the beginning, a turning point year. And even what we're talking about here, and I keep seeing this over and over, and Alan talked about it. We'll look at it a, in a few places today where God talks about completing some things. And coming to a completeness. And I believe he's speaking to us some things that will help us grow and mature. And there will be times and there will be uh, times as we're in the word. And again, we started the year talking to you about make sure you have a, a prayer time. Make sure you have uh, in your life, you set aside time uh, to get into the word. I, I, when Alan was ministering uh, a couple of weeks ago, he just said, you know, God led him to just get into the presence of the Lord. So we can get real busy and say, this is my, my, my reading time. I got 15 minutes. This is my prayer time. I, I chart that out. But there's a place, too, to just get into the presence of the Lord. And in that time that we're setting aside, I believe that there's going to be moments where God's revealing things to you, significant things. And as we start to apply those things and we see that revelation and, and, and we begin to allow it to illuminate areas of our life, that, that when we, uh, those are illuminated to us, we deal with them by the power of the Holy Spirit, that there is going to be significant change. God is bringing, uh, in the process of bringing things to fruition. He's working a maturity in his body that is it, it really beyond what uh, uh, we've seen before. God is working 
to grow his individual members of his body and the church to a fullness and a maturity. Not like children just saying, what am I going to get out of it? But a maturity to say there's a responsibility that rests upon us right now in our generation. And that responsibility because of the revelation doesn't become weighty. It doesn't become like, oh, God, here we go. I have a risk. No, it's we get to take on a mantle, a calling from God. And with that calling, there's an equipping from God by the Holy Spirit that if we'll learn to not lean on the arm of our flesh and just go back in our thought life to, oh, I got to, but we get to work together with him in such a dynamic fashion to really impact the world that we live in and the generation that we live in, that there, he says, there will be in that revelation a stirring, a hope, a confident, favorable expectation of what we've been called to because he called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. Amen. Amen. And really there's a knowledge of God that he's revealing to us for this very reason. That knowledge of him is so important because he said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so God wants us to know some things about our generation. He wants us to know even in a greater measure and open up or peel back, as it were, another layer for us to see into our generation and see into what God is doing right now in our generation. And he wants to help us to see what that is. He wants to help us to be equipped for what that is, to mature in what that is, that we take a stand in our generation and and see the great things that God has spoken to us about, that we really see his will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. And there's some things yet to be done that he has said, this is my will to take place that we've not seen yet, which means we continue to declare that which you've said, that which you've declared, that which you've spoken from heaven, even in times past that we've not seen, that is your will. We declare that it come to pass in the earth right now as you've already said it would be in heaven. And we anticipate the reality of what he said coming into our life, coming into the church, being spread to the world as we've heard it said. Not just hearing it and going, whoo, isn't that going to be great whenever that happens? I'll wait to see. But we're a part of saying it's coming and we're, we're declaring now your will, the things that you've spoken, the things that you've designed, the things that you've declared. We're going to agree and we're going to establish them for our generation. Amen? And it's not just simply about us, but there is a cooperation. There is a a, a mingling together, as we said a couple of years ago, in that patience. And we're not just waiting for something, but we're intertwining ourselves with God into a oneness. And in that oneness that we talked about a couple of years ago, that, that patience, that perseverance and endurance, if we've been doing that, God's been doing something to intertwine us together so we know we're not alone in this. We have been weaving, we've been intertwining, We've been braiding ourselves together with God and with the Holy Spirit. And in that braiding, there is a strength that comes to us. On our own, we struggle. Together, we're better. But when we're joined to Him, it's a cord braided together of life that cannot be broken. 
So if we've been doing that, if you've been praying and you've been waiting and you've been seeing God's weaving things of his own nature into my life, there's a strength that's arising. There's things that we're seeing come, even in the midst of things that we dealt with before that we're like, you know what? I can set that aside where I couldn't before. I can deal with that in a way that I never did before. I can speak to that in a way that I never did before because I see what God sees. I know what God says. I'm in a place where I'm, I'm moving into that place and we should desire to be where Jesus was, that I'm getting into such a relationship that I'm hearing some things that God is saying. And so when I hear the things that God is saying, I'm going to say what God's saying. And God's opening my eyes, and I'm beginning to see some things that God is doing, and I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to do what God's doing. And the more that we intertwine with that, the more we're going to see, the more we're going to hear, the more we're going to be comfortable with saying what it is that we hear him say, doing what we see him doing. There's a great cooperation that's coming. All right. But I'm off on a tangent. Let's get back here. Well, it's not really a tangent. It's probably me, what I normally do, getting ahead of myself. Psalms 121, starting in verse 1 from the Passion Translation. It says, I look up to the mountains and the hills longing for God's help, but then I realize that our true help and protection come only. Somebody say only. Only from the Lord, our creator who made the heavens and the earth. He will guard and guide me. Somebody say guide me. Come on, he's my only true help, and he is going to guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. Again, I want you to underline that, that, that word stumble. For whatever reason, I can't tell you, I've just been coming on that over and over and over again. How God doesn't want us stumbling. He doesn't want us just stumbling through life, falling through life. Thank God, if we fall down, he helps us up every single time. We can see he doesn't want us to stumble, just stumble through life and fall through life till we get to the end. But he wants us sure-footed. He wants us to be able to stand up tall in life. God is my keeper. He will never forget or ignore me. And that's awesome. Psalms 46, verse 1. Again, the message translation. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You are a proven help. Somebody say help in time of trouble, more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will never fear, even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging, uh, the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Then he says, pause and think about it. Man, just think about this. Think about what the psalmist is saying. Think about his revelation, that there's a lot of shaking going on. There's a lot of things that would trouble us. There's a lot of things coming to erode our faith in him. But he said, listen, I know that you're ever present. You're a help to me in every time of trouble. So when the shaking happens and the distress happens and there's a lot of things going on around me, my faith will not erode. I know that you're with me, that you won't ignore me. You're with me wherever I go. You are an ever-present help in difficulty and trouble. And so really, in Philippians chapter 2, just to come back on this, we've been talking about uh, these things. And so we, we stepped into this last week, and a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan talked about help me with holiness. We, we uh, continued along those lines. 
uh, last week with this scripture here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So do all things without complaining and disputing. And we won't get to all that stuff today. Just something as you're reading, if you go back to it, might stand out to us. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in, a, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So he says something to us here about that working out our salvation. He's not talking about, uh, as we said, he's not just talking about this day of salvation uh, when we get saved and go into heaven and, and working an inward salvation out kind of thing. But he says, bring to the goal or the completion. So we are working out. We are endeavoring to bring to the final goal what our salvation is about. What is it about? It's about Christ-likeness. And in that Christ-likeness, we want to see a holiness. We want to see a purity that takes place because it's sin. It's that defilement that is working destruction, sickness, disease, torment in our, our mind, fear that comes, uh, the things that really come against us. They work through an avenue of sin. Sin works in that avenue of pulling us deeper and deeper into what we can't figure out, and so we need to fix it. Oh, I have this desire. If this would work for me, I could do this, and we go our way away from God, but in that purity, in that Christ-likeness, God washes those things away. God breaks the hold of those things, so we step into a place where those things no longer have their pull on us, but we're more drawn to God than drawn away from him in all of that trouble. And in that, he's working a Christ-likeness in us. And so as we begin to understand that and say, this is where I'm moving in my life to bring this again to a goal, to an end, I, to look like Jesus, right? To look like, well, that was Jesus. We can't look like Jesus. Jesus was the son of God. Well, who are you? See, if we understand the new birth, we've been born again. We've been made sons and daughters of God. And if sons and daughters and heirs, then we're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. God linked us together. And so the enemy wants to say, no, we can't do that. Oh, that's prideful to think that. No, it's very humbling to think that God did something for you. When you are far off, apart from him, in sin, he sent Jesus to break the full power of that and bring you into relationship with him. Such a relationship that he would call you a son. He would call you a daughter. And deeper than that, in that sonship and, and being a son and a daughter, he engrafted you into himself, knowing that out there apart from him, there would be greater struggle. But in him is the solution. In him is the answer. In him is the strength. In him is the power to take on anything that life would present to us. But the revelation of in him instead of apart from him seems to be difficult for us to grasp in everyday life. And so he wants to help us to understand that. And so he said the Holy Spirit or God is working in us, right? That word work means he's energizing you. He's strengthening you not only to have a desire to do his will, but the power to do it. 
What's his well? He's energizing and giving you a want to, to not be like the old man that you've been, but to be like Christ. He's giving you the energy and the want to, but he says, I'm also going to give you the power and the strength to lay aside the old and to impart and put on the new. Well, I don't know if I can do that. You can't do that by yourself. I can't do that by myself. And he said, I know you can't, so I'm going to give you help. But it's not going to be help from the outside. It's going to be help from the inside. And so we keep looking for our help out here in the hills. We keep looking for our help somewhere on the outside. But our greatest help comes from within. Praise the Lord. And so he said, this will cause us not in the midst of a perfect democracy. Not in the midst of a perfect government and perfect neighborhoods and perfect neighbors. But in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we would still shine as lights. We would still be a beacon where people are falling apart and hopeless to say, wow, I'm drawn to something in you. What is it? There seems to be... You know, there will be all kinds of interpretation to this, but I'm just saying. There seems to be an inner strength in you. Exactly. My strength comes from within. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. And so I want to focus on something today. Turn over to John, the 15th chapter, 14th chapter, excuse me. We ended with this, uh, to know this. (coughs) Excuse me. But talking about this help and where our help comes from. Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, verse 15, if you love me, then keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That another just means another one of the exact same kind. He's talking to his disciples and said, I've been helping you along the way. I've been helping you with understanding. I've been helping you with the challenges that you have. Peter, when you began to fail and to sink, I was right there to help you back in the boat. Uh, I, you know, when the woman with the issue of, uh, or the woman with the issue of blood, obviously he helped her with healing. But the woman that they brought out to be stoned to death because she had sinned, he helped her understand. Listen, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to forgive you. You can get back up and fulfill what what's ahead in your life, no matter what your past has looked like. And so people watched Jesus, the man at the pool of Bethesda, who had no hope. Jesus came and, and healed him right there. When he said, nobody, I can't get in anymore. He said, you want to be healed? He didn't even have an answer for yes or no. He said, there's no way for me to be healed. I'm hopeless. Everybody gets in before me. And Jesus said, no, you're not hopeless because I'm here to help you. And they watched that, and he, they watched Jesus with all this help, but he said, now, if, if you love me, the relationship we join into, and you do my commandments, and as you launch out to do my commandments, or I like what one person said, to do life my way. In other words, change life from your way to my way, because you've watched my way. He's telling his disciples, we read about that in the Gospels, his way. And so he said, now, when we enter into a relationship, you can't live life the old way. And if you love me, you're going to live life and desire to live life my way. So I'm going to send you a helper just like me. But that helper won't be here for you to watch outside doing things. He's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. 
And this experience of the helper coming to live in you is going to do something unique in you and in my church in the fact that the world does not know him and cannot know him. So there's going to be a distinction and should be a distinction. We're not looking to blend in in this generation. We're looking to stand out with the light of life. We're not looking to stand out and be strange. We're looking to stand out in something that's substantially powerful and substantially important. We're looking for it to stand out in the fact that we are overcoming. We're not living our life complaining and caught in all kinds of dispute, but we're living a life where we're living holy and blameless before others. We're being a light. So he says, he'll dwell in you and he'll be with you. So listen, he said, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. You'll do my commandments. So let's just look and see what his commandments were. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 and starting in verse 35. It says, one of them, uh, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first great, first great commandment and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, all the law and the prophets hang. He said, listen, I'm going to give you two commandments. And every other commandment, hangs on this. So when we're talking about Christ-likeness, what we're about to talk about, and, and, and it'll take a couple weeks, but we're talking about one of the greatest keys to Christ-likeness. And that is when he says, you know what, when you embrace me, when you take the first great command and you love me, then you'll have to take the next step which is like it, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. To begin to walk in the love of God, which is so profound and it's so great and, and it's so magnificent, this love of God, that, that it would challenge us to go beyond our own human nature, our own thinking about what love is and step into a greater degree of love. It's easy to just say, I love people. Jesus said that all the time. It says, people say that they love me with their mouth, but their heart can be totally disconnected from the reality of love. And God wants to bring us into a place of Christ-likeness in the day that we live in, where we stand out in a way that is really uh, a defining of who we are, because we take time to learn and to develop and have the Holy Spirit not only teach us, but Help us to love like Jesus commanded us to love. And it's settling our hearts on the fact that we're going to go beyond the human type of love. So in Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew, the fifth chapter, and the 43rd verse, Jesus speaking here, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Whew, praise the Lord. But I say to you, right, a lot of us will go, oh, whew, that's good, yeah. I love all my friends, 
but these other people. Come on, we've been put in a position. It's really a good position. It's a testing position. In the culture that we live in, that there's a lot of people who don't agree with us and they don't agree with the Bible. People around us who are supposed to be leading us. And many, even believers, have said, it's very difficult for me to love them. And God says, you need help. Because I didn't call you to hate the people who don't agree with you. And I didn't call you to hate people who hate you. All right, let's read on. He said, but I say to you. He said, you've heard it said, but I say to you. Love your enemies. Come on now, that's just unreasonable. Yes, it is. Without help. Well, who's going to help me with that? I'm glad you asked. The Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Jesus who loved so much the people whose sin hug him on the cross to still go to the cross to redeem them from their sin. So it's not somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about who he sent to help you. It's somebody who's experienced what he is saying we should do he said, I'm sending somebody, not who's going to try to do it like you're trying to do it, but I'm going to send you help, a helper who has experienced it, and if you let him help you, he will infuse you and help you experience it as well. Hmm. All right, we better keep reading. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Yeah, I just can't do that. I've tried to pray and bless them. Can't bless them. Can't do it. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, come on. I mean, you all are probably thinking, okay, I've read this before. I know, I know. What a tall order. I mean, she's just reading over it. Pause and think about it. This is a pretty tall order. Emotionally, this is like insurmountable. <laughs> just trying to be honest. This is like emotionally, like you, you, are you kidding me? Somebody who's just using me? You want me to pray? You want me to love these people? You want me to love somebody who curses me? Pray for them? That's a tall order. He said, yep, yep, tall order, big one. But you won't have an excuse when you stand before me because I've given you the helper. And the reason I'm giving you the helper is because this is what will distinguish you as mine. Not how many times you say hallelujah, not how many times you run around the room. Not how many times you've been slain in the spirit. 
All those are good. Right? All those will be part of our Christian life. We do it here. Not how many times God's healed you. Not how many miracles you've seen. What distinguishes us is the likeness of him in love. They will know that we belong to him as his disciples by our love one for another. Now we're looking like, my God, this workout your salvation is a little bit tougher than it was looking like. I mean, I was working out my salvation just to get to heaven, but you're talking about working out to a fruition, a goal of being like him, and this is it? Oh, this is just the beginning. Because when we get this locked in, you want to see some miracles. You want to see some signs and wonders. You want to see some things change. You want to see a, a turning point and some moments of significant change. Come on, when we grasp this love of God, somebody's going to be going, turning point? Man, I opened the door to God, and that person who's been dogging my tracks, who I, could, I haven't been able to stand for years, all of a sudden, I think I like him. In fact, it keeps coming up. He, he's having me pray for them. In all my life, I've just thrown them to the, to the side because of what happened. But all of a sudden, I find myself praying for them. Whew. Now, that's a turning point. That's some significant change. Boy, and then it wouldn't be something when they come to you and say, I don't know what's been going on in my life, but Jesus came into my life and set me free. Well, then you'll go, and I've been praying for you. It'll be hot, tough, but boy, when it does something, boy, you'll take credit right away. Huh. And I'll be, Man, woo, that's a good testimony. I've been praying, which is good. We want that good report, but we don't re really usually say, oh, you don't know how hard it was for me to even start praying for you. In fact, I couldn't even do it. But the Lord helped me. The Holy Ghost helped me. All right, somewhere I got to finish this scripture. Or we won't get done. All right, praise the Lord. So he said this, verse uh, 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. So we know, again, like that positional righteousness or positional holiness, sanctification, then there's an operational or behavioral action. So we already are sons and daughters by the new birth, but he said you won't realize it or be able to live it out without this behavior of this extravagant, powerful love that takes you beyond the norm. So he said that you may be uh, fathers, uh, uh, sons of your father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? And most of it would say, well, I have pretty much peace. Because I have my group of friends, they like me, I like them, and we don't have to go outside of that. But that's not really true. That's a you don't really have that much peace. He said, do you, do, even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than anybody else? Do not even the tax collectors do, this, do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
And so we go like, oh, here's that perfection thing. Actually, all that means is to be brought to the finish. Brought to the finish. So listen, let's just try to connect the dots. Paul told the Philippian church, and right before he, uh, he, he talked about that, working out your own salvation, he said, walk in love. We'll get to that at some point. But he said, walk in love. And then he said, work out or bring to fruition or to the finish, the final goal, Christ's likeness. And Jesus here says, there's a way to bring to the finish your likeness of him, and that is to walk in the love of God. He said, when we start to love beyond what the norm does, not just loving our friends, our brethren, but loving the unlovely, loving those who hate us, uh, uh, praying for those who despitefully use and persecute us. He says, there's something working in those moments to bring a finish or bring a perfection. Uh, Colossians says it like this, that love is the bond of maturity. Love is the bond of perfection. And so, uh, you know, again, I want to ask this question, but I don't want only half of you to answer the question because of the message right now, so we might get there later. But, you know, I'll ask it. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of us really want to come to that Christ-likeness? So I'll answer this for you. Every one of you, if you've received Jesus, why? Because it's the Holy Spirit in you working and energizing to will, to desire, and to do of his good pleasure. So you might think, I don't know if I want to do this. This seems hard. Yes, it does, but only because you're thinking wrong. You're thinking, I'm going to have to do this by myself. Well, he's not going to just do it for you. We talked about that. There's that kind of help. But if he does it for you, you're always going to be saying, could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? No, he wants to come and do it with you to empower you. To empower you. To empower you. Listen, there's places where this gets in, and we don't even realize it, where we're not walking in love. It gets in a fence. It gets under our skin. And is, we, we disconnect it because it's that, this person over here. I'm speaking by the Spirit of God right now for somebody. This isn't in my notes. I just know it. And, and the Spirit of God just said, you tell them, I'm, I'm talking. You connect it over here. This person did thus and such, and I don't have to love them. This is this, is this way. But you allow that. And that underneath the surface is working to destroy your marriage. This situation over here that you've held on to is keeping you from succeeding in your business because it's hindering relationships. There's things that happen out here that you're saying, that's, that's disconnected to me, but it has to do with people and it has to do with developing and coming to fruition because in that fruition, in that development of the love of God, there is a release that causes you to come into that place where there's a Christ-likeness and all the authority that he has is realized on the inside of you. And when you realize in this great place of walking in love in this character of God that I can love that person you have just realized this authority that he's given me transcends my just saying, devil, you stop it. It comes to the point of saying, I will, by the authority of God, love that unlovely person. And when you can do that by the authority vested in you by the Holy Spirit, a whole new realm of the authority of the believer opens to you. 
an understanding of how I deal with the complications of my marriage, the relationship at work, the situations that confront me through relationship that I'm not connected to this area that I'm not letting go of. He says, if you'll take that, give that to me, allow that cord to be broken, things are going to open up in other areas of relationship that you've been wondering about. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right, where am I? All right, we're going to close here. Number one, I got about five things here, and by the time we get through those five, no, I'm not going to do five. I'm just going to do number one. Just explaining to you where I'm at. It was like, oh my God, you're going to try to do five? You haven't even got to one yet. Um, I know. All right. So listen to me. Number one, it's through the love of God that we know him. It's through the love of God that we know him. So 1 John chapter 4, go ahead and put that up there. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. He said, beloved, let us love one another. There we go. Let us love one another. For love, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. I love God. Well, you can dig into 1 John a little bit this week. You can say you love God, but if you're not loving people, the enemy's got you on the ropes. Right? He's a liar, and he's the father of it. So it says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. So sometimes a very puzzling perspective that Jesus says, he says, listen, you'll come to me in that day and you'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not do all these things in your name? And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You did a lot for your own sake in my name, but you never knew love. I never knew you. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. If these things are yours and abound, right? Everything proceeds and moves to the maturing of love, if these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness is accessed through the knowledge of him. Without the knowledge of him, people perish. Trying to know him simply through his word is a way to know about him, but to truly intimately know him, you're going to have to know his love for you, reciprocate, and then be able to release that love. And he says, the full knowledge is not that you know that I loved you and forgave you, but that you actually know that enough and embrace that enough to set yourself aside to love me. 
And engaging in that with me, you'll know how I did it. You'll be empowered by that relationship to then release that to others. So it's a process. A process, right? Guaranteed success. All right. Y'all still with me? So 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says, now by this, we know that we know him. Because I've come to church. Because I've learned to the, listen to these preachers on the internet. Because, uh, you know, I serve. This is how I know him. But he, he's, he explains to us a few things different. He said, by this, we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments. 1 John chapter 5, we won't turn over there. 1 John chapter 5, he said, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. In other words, I really have to love those people? I really have to? No. He says, listen, when you start to see this and it, it stirs you, it's not grievous. You're like, all right, let's do this. All right, so we do his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected or matured or being finished in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought, also, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you had had from the very beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. It's true. It's in him and it's in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. There's that stumbling again. There's no cause for that. Now listen, he says if he walks in light and he loves his brother. He's in darkness if he hates his brother. And so let's just break that down just for a moment. Hates his brother. I don't hate anybody. That word right there, uh, hate, just means detest or to love less. To love less. Well, what is that supposed to mean? To love less than you love yourself. According to this definition... I'll leave you pondering. He said the second commandment is almost as great as the first, right up there. To love your neighbor as yourself. He who hates his brother. Well, I don't hate anybody. Do you love them less than you love yourself? Ah, I knew it. I'm not coming back here. This is just too much. I told you it'd be too much. But you have help. 
you have help. Well, loving myself, isn't that selfish? No, we're not talking about that selfish love. We're talking about the love that God has for you. And the golden rule, do unto others as you would do for yourself, means we're bringing this together. What is he talking about? So we've always got an escape. I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. But do we love them as much as we love ourselves? He empowers us for that. So Ephesians chapter 3, last scripture, then we're closing. Really working, this will be bite-sized pieces. Somebody's like, I'm choking. That wasn't a bite-sized piece. Um, But he'll help you swallow. All right, got it swallowed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Some of these things I get so excited about, and I'm just... Praise the Lord. I'm ready for the work. Working with him. It's always, it's always the one of those challenges that he works with me. And I'm like, man, I think I would have it done by now. But <laughs> hallelujah. He walks with us a step at a time. He's like, well, you ain't going to get that full love thing until you just get, you know, right here. If you can get this love in Jonathan, you'll be all right. Then we'll move on to the bigger fish. Praise the Lord. I'm just joking. I love them a lot. Praise the Lord. It says this, for this reason, Paul said, I get this. I understand. I have a revelation. We're going to rise above. We're going to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be significantly different than we used to be and different than the world around us. So I'm going to pray for you. I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in your inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you that myself, being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, we're going to get so locked into love that not one thing a person does, not one thing officials do, leaders do, our spouse does, our kids do, is not going to be able to uproot us, move us, sway us. We're locked in. We're rooted and we're grounded in love. And when we get rooted and grounded in love, something of the knowledge of God is going to start to spring forth. That it's not just loving you because you love me, but it's expanding. There's a depth. There's a breadth. There's a height. And there's a length to God's love. There's a place that once the roots go down and say, by the Spirit of God, I'm locked in. Now it starts to go up in fruit and revelation. There's something deeper. There's something wider. There's something higher. There's a long-reaching effect of the love of God. There's something in the love of God that will cause your faith to be great and extend out beyond your, your mental capacity. The love of God is what energizes and causes your faith to be able to work and to be active. Praise God. So that he would dwell in your hearts through faith. <laughs> Comprehend the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length of his love. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
man, the love of God as we mature, as we cause that to allow a finishing portion in us of being more like him, it'll draw us into an intimate knowledge of God. And we have four other things that we'll be talking about. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Holy Spirit, right now, I know that you're working on hearts and lives. I know every person in this room desires to be everything that you've created them to be. To recognize and realize what the blood purchased for us as people, for us as the body. To see it and to know it. To allow what the blood did for us in purchasing our life away from sin, to become all that you paid for our life to be. You poured out your life that we might experience a life that we had not yet experienced, a life with you, a life that's transformed, a life that is born of you, and the fruition of it is like you. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to begin to work in each one of us, in such a way of strengthening, in such a way of revelation knowledge, that as we leave this place today, you're working the desire, the want to. Walk in love like you have instructed us like never before. That this week, a knowledge of the love of God and what confronts it will be more aware of than ever before. And we won't just try to wrestle with it and deal with it, but we will look to you on the inside of us to strengthen us, to root us, to ground us, and then to help us to comprehend that we do have the capacity of love, depth, breadth, height, and length, to allow the fullness of who you are to dwell in us, but also to be released from us, even to those who are unlovely. Let us see the transforming power of your love. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand up and stretch your hands out here? Hallelujah. Father, we pray over this prayer cloth right now. Even as we're speaking of your great love. We know your great love for us sent Jesus to that whipping post to bear in his body those stripes, the pain, the wounds that sickness and disease would inflict upon the human body. You said that you took our infirmity. You bore our sickness in your own body. So we pray over this cloth right now that your healing anointing would saturate this cloth. When it's brought to this young person, the anointing would leave this cloth move into their bodies, searching out everything that's broken, everything that has been attacked, everything that is working ill in their body, that the anointing would go to the very source, destroy that source of sickness, disease, destruction, and bring life, life that would flow throughout their whole body, they don't know you, life in such a way that they would experience your tangible presence. Come to know you as Lord and Savior of their life. And in knowing that, they know you as their healer. 
So we thank you. We look for a good report. In Jesus' name, amen. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed and make it a great day.